0: i going to try to give him to come preach a few nights for us for too long. And uh, I tell you, the Lord's wanting to do great things in our midst, and I'm, I want to be a part of it, don't you? I like to be in on the action. If you have your Bibles, return with me to Luke, the 15th chapter. Praise the Lord, a very familiar chapter, one of the most famous chapters in the New Testament or the Gospels probably. Good to see you tonight. We say welcome to all the visitors and all the home folks, and let's pray that these young people are just come back and stir us all up, praise the Lord. Luke fifteen and verse eleven. And he said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. And everybody say, Praise the Lord. And bless you, you may be seated. Of course, the story of the prodigal son is one that we have all heard many times, and I want to teach or preach or whatever about some lessons that we can learn. Uh, Lord, help us to learn from the Bible. The 15th chapter is actually a book about lost things. The first few verses we didn't read, it talked about the lost sheep, and then it talked about the lost coin, and then it talked about the prodigal son. And of course, the lost sheep had strayed. He, he didn't really, you know, a sheep didn't, wasn't paying that much attention. He just kind of strayed. And the lost coin was lost by carelessness. But the prodigal chose to be lost. And I want you to know tonight that it's your choice whether you're going to be saved or not. I'm glad it is our choice. Aren't you glad that there's not some circumstance that could come that would make you lose out with God? When the scripture says no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand, that's not once saved, always saved. That means as long as you hold to the Father's hand, that there is nothing that can make you let go. And so every day we're making choices. Am I going to pray or am I not going to pray? Am I going to read my Bible or am I not going to read my Bible? Every time there's church, you're having to ask yourself, are you going to attend or are you not going to attend? Actually, you shouldn't be asking that question. You just ought to attend. Then after you get here, you've got to choose to work worship or not to worship. See I, I can't worship for you and you can't worship for me. But verse 12 says he came to the father and he said give me the portions of good that fall to me. And I hadn't noticed for years and I did a few years ago that verse 12 and it says and he divided unto them his living. It wasn't just the prodigal that God he as the elder son did too. And the elder son received twice as much as the younger son. The father didn't have to give it to him. He didn't have to you know I really this story when you really think about it it's, it's probably not going to happen if, uh, if I was to go to my daddy right now and say, "Daddy, I'd like to go ahead and get my inheritance." I don't believe I'd get a favorable response. uh He would say, "Son, I even told him one time I said, "Daddy, you know you know if you get older and you have to go to the nursing home, they take all your money. if you want to put it in somebody's name, you know, I'll volunteer, but even then he didn't seem to want to respond to that, but he didn't have to give it to him. uh, but I want to talk about the prodigal He, he didn't do what he did to hurt anybody he wasn't trying to hurt his father or his brother he wasn't trying to but can I tell each of us that decisions that we make do hurt other people It does. If we do wrong, it hurts your spouse, it hurts your children. I wish the young people and children would learn this, that when they do wrong, it hurts us, it hurts everybody. And I know that wasn't their intent. But no man is an island unto himself. And what a great responsibility. But he did what he did to please himself. And that's the world that we live live in today. He wasn't thinking about anybody else. And let, let me just say this. And I really still struggle with this, and I struggled with it in Cleveland. It's hard not to take backsliding personal as a preacher. It's hard not to take it personal. People come to the house of the Lord and you see them come in and get the Holy Ghost and, and people leave and they lose out or whatever happens. It's a natural thing to think, well, if I'd have prayed with them a little bit more, if I had visited with them a little bit more, but I finally had to reach a point that while it still grieves my heart that you have to make up your own mind. If you're not saved tonight, you're really not going to be able to blame me or Brother Adcock or anybody else. You're going to have to accept responsibility for your own life. This world that we live in today, they want to blame everybody else for their problems. They want to blame everybody else for their situation. Everybody's got a dysfunctional family nowadays. Do they not? I mean, there's always some situation. And so we need to understand and teach our children and our young people that they've got to make up their mind that you have an awesome ability, actually, that you can choose the direction that your life goes. Now, there's going to be some hurtful things happen. And the real truth of the matter is uh, there's one person in my life from a f- several years ago that I know that I hurt and I, I, I can't undo it. I've asked him to forgive me. But a situation happened that I haven't been able to undo that and I've always I've grieved over that lots of times but I understand that everybody gets hurt at some point everybody gets offended at some point and so you got to make up your mind that I'm not going to let anybody or anything separate me from the love of God that Lord I'm going to be saved no matter what it takes and so this prodigal though instead of waiting for his inheritance he wanted it now and that's the generation we live in We don't want to work 25 years to get what mom and dad's got. We want to get it now as soon as we get a job we want a certain vehicle as soon as we get a job we want a certain home as soon as we get a job we, we don't realize the many years that a lot of people have put in accumulating what they have but we live in a society that wants to gratify itself and this is part of our problem and of course he didn't ask for what wasn't his this belonged to him back in their society he could get it and but you know he only got a third of his brother it doesn't say anything about as much as his brother got Back in that day, the elder got twice as much as the rest of them. There was only two sons. You see, he didn't get that. I don't think he complained about that. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad my daddy believes in being fair. You know, what he does for one, he'll do for another. Uh, but the truth is, in that society, this son didn't complain about that. He accepted his role. You know what a wonderful thing it is to accept your role? to be happy in who you are and what you are. Uh, There's a world of Pentecostal people that are not happy because they have a desire, and and, and we ought to have some desires, but, you know, you need to practice and train, but some people can sing and some people just can't sing. You know, we go to play softball, and I hate to tell you, some can hit and some can't hit. Some can run and some can't run. That right, Brother Al? (laughs) Did I tell you all about Brother Al falling? uh, (laughs) Oh, Brother Al around the second base, of course, that sand was only about, what, six inches deep or something? I mean, about three feet from the bag, and Brother Al was just getting with it, and all of a sudden, bam, there he goes. And my, of course, my first thought was, not was he hurt can he make it to third base man don't get out you know I mean that was my first thought get up man and I thought oh I should have checked see how his knee looked but we have to understand all of us are not gifted in the same way and have certain talents and abilities what a wonderful thing it is to know who you are and your purpose in life and in my travels and in my going around in life I think that's the greatest dissatisfaction among people is that yes we need to be all that we can be folks you you ought to be everything that God has called you to be but there's times you have to accept the fact this is what God is where he put me or what he wants me to do and Lord help me I, will, you know, you, I may not can sing but I can clap my hands I, I've got a ten string instrument here that I can play I can raise my hands and shout hallelujah the real truth of the matter is our moves of the spirit is when they begin to sing up here but people in the audience begin to respond and begin to worship from their heart and that's what brings the power down but we shouldn't be jealous, people with the Holy Ghost. I won't ask you if you've ever been jealous. I've heard some of these guys preaching. I was almost jealous. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, my mouth just fall open hearing some people preach. They just have a way of doing it. Uh, but I appreciated my pastor brother husband when I prayed through, and he just told me, brother David, you got to be yourself. Because sometimes he probably wished he hadn't have told me that, but that's what he told me, and it's still good advice. You got to be yourself. Amos was a shepherd. I imagine he, when he talked and spoke, he used a lot of things about sheep and he used a lot of things about the hillside because that's what he knew. You can only deal with what you know. And of course, this prodigal son, he didn't think anything about what it was going to do to his daddy. Can you imagine how many nights that daddy must have got up in the middle of the night and walked out and looked out that door wondering where his boy was? Oh, I wish people could understand the, the hurt that comes when you don't do right with God. I, I know in my own life, I, I still feel bad about this. I went to Las Vegas. I think it was the first time I went. Maybe it was the second time, and uh, and I didn't mean to tell anybody. Or I mean, my wife knew, but I didn't want her telling nobody. But somehow it came out, and my mother found out, and my mother was walking the streets in front of our house, Daddy said. Man, I can't tell you how I hated that. I didn't go out there for my mama to walk the streets, but it did sink into my mind that this is hurting other people. But you know what? sad? That wasn't the last time I went because there's something about sin. When it gets a hold of you, it'll make you do things you know you shouldn't do. You know it's hurting people. You know it's causing problems. Sin is a terrible thing. I tell you what, if he had, could have seen the pig pen and where he's going to end up, he'd have never left home. Boy, if we could see the end, folks. It's good that we can't. Really, it is, most of the time. I wouldn't want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. How could I enjoy today? if something bad was going to happen to me tomorrow. These people call the psychic hotline, won't know what's going to happen. They don't, you don't really want to know that, folks. It'd be a terrible thing to know what's going to happen next month and next year because all of us are going to have some bad and sad things happen in our lives. And so actually it's a blessing that, that we can't understand. But in this case, if he could have seen himself in that pig pen, if he could have realized that here I am, the son of evidently a pretty rich man, and then I'm going to end up in a pig Kick pen. What a terrible thing. It takes a backbone to live for God. I'm going to tell you, it takes some character to live for God. Uh, I've seen a lot of people in my day, and you don't know who's going to make it. I've seen some pray through that I thought, boy, they have got what it takes, and they didn't last till the wind began to blow. And other people that I didn't think they could make it somehow, they got a death grip on this thing, and they realized this was the best thing that they'd ever found in their life, and they made up their mind, I don't care how many times I fail, how many times I fall down, that I'm not going to quit. But he wanted his freedom. He wanted out from the rules of the Father. He wanted freedom, but he ended up in bondage. Now think about that. He wanted freedom, but he ended up in bondage. And that's the way it is. People start off. You see, our... our, our society, like I say, they, they don't want responsibility. And you, you go to the store sometimes, and please, I, I'm not against the government help. I'm all for it, helping people that need it. But I've mentioned before, up in the Delta, uh, they, they have poured billions and maybe trillions of dollars into the Delta since 1964 or 5, whenever Lyndon Johnson started this great campaign. And it hadn't helped by and large because those people have just said, give me it, and now they expect it. They expected and, and you'd go to the grocery store, and I'd have my little list there, and, and, you know, one night we're having hot dogs, and one night we're having hamburgers, and one night we're, you know, and I'd look over there somebody in front of me, and they'd have a basket piled high of meat, meat, and then they'd get up there and pay for it. from the government. I want them to eat. I'm not against them eating. But it just didn't seem right to me that me and my wife is working and they're eating better than I am. Somehow that just didn't seem right. And there's a lot of people have this spiritual problem. They want to come to the house of the Lord and they don't ever want to come to the prayer room. They don't ever want to be the first one to clap their hands. But they hope the spirit gets to moving strong enough that maybe they get a little splash over blessing every once in a while. I say I don't want to be on warfare in the Holy the ghost. I, I want what's coming to me God. I want to be a prayer warrior. God I want to be a worshiper. God I want to be on fire. I want to do my part. But the prodigal didn't want to hear the alarm at 5 o'clock. Is that what time they get up on the farm? 5 o'clock. 3 or 4. Why even go to bed? <laughs> he didn't want to hear the alarm clock. He didn't want to plow that back 40. He didn't want to hear or oversee the shearing of the sheep. Somehow that didn't seem real exciting. Somehow that didn't seem, you know, I, I look back and uh, when I got, got out of college and uh, my daddy come and asked me what I was going to do and he and was, I had this accounting degree and my dad's an accountant and, and I told him, I said, Dad, that accounting just didn't fun. And uh, he gave me a, uh, I'm trying to think what the word was. Uh, anyway, he told me that, It wasn't about being fun. It's about making a living. And the truth is, it is about making a living, y'all. Everything's a job to a certain degree. Everything becomes a habit. But you see, there's something about young people that that somehow they would all rather play baseball and make $10 million a year. But the odds of that, you got better odds of getting struck by lightning than that happening. But yet a lot of people live their whole life in some daydream world that someday I'm going to have this big windfall and it doesn't happen. Do you know the people that really do well in life are a lot of times people that don't make lots of money, but they have disciplined themselves and they have learned to manage their money and they've learned to get... And, and do without at times. You know, I, I always thought my daddy made big money. Uh, you know, being, I thought he did, but in talking to him over the years, he really didn't. But you see, he knew how to what to do with his money. But yet our society comes up, our, my generation comes up, and we want everything that they took years to save for. But we buy it on the credit. So we get to pay 20% extra for it. Actually, I say 20%. If you pay it out over many years, you know how much you pay for your house. Isn't it disgusting? You paid 80000 or you're supposed to pay $80,000 for that house, but if you look at your payments after 30 years, you paid $260,000, you know. But see, somehow we, we want that. And uh, somehow the Lord needs to help us to understand freedom, what the world calls freedom, ends up in slavery. I'm big enough to smoke. I'm big enough to drink. I'm big enough to do anything I want to. Yes, you are. But when that thing gets a hold of you, what a terrible thing it is to be bound. Anybody, was anybody had a habit you wanted to quit, but you couldn't? Am I the only one that was there? I mean, I wanted to quit. I knew I ought to quit. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was hurting people. But I had done it so long that that thing got a hold of me. And people want to claim that we're in bondage? Oh, if they could just understand, I've got sweet liberty here. I can do anything I want to do. But I don't want to do it anymore, praise God. I don't want to smoke and drink and dope and do those things. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. And I like this little statement I wrote down. A life that doesn't cost you anything will eventually cost you everything. Everything in life costs something. It's a trade-off in life for everything. It really is. A lot of people don't want to commit to a church in the world that we're living in. That's not true here. But they just they just want to go where they think the fire is falling. What they need to understand is the fire can fall anywhere if we'll dedicate if we'll consecrate, that we'll get in there. But verse 17 is so true. It says, when he came to himself. Oh, anybody remember that day you woke up and somehow it just clicked in your mind? I have been foolish. What have I been thinking? That man in Shreveport Church was 40 years old and uh, he worked for General Electric and had a good job. I mean, this is in the early or mid-80s. He, you know, he was making $60,000 a year, had a good job. But that wasn't enough. He started sending this A.L. Williams insurance on the side and became very successful in that. But he turned 40 years old, and one day he was out deer hunting, and he walked into a tree. Just, Just didn't see it. And when he went to the doctor, they found out something had gone wrong and something had burst or something. He ended up with some kind of weird old cancer. He had been in Vietnam and he had something bad and he died. And he's the cousin or brother-in-law to John Barry. And I remember John telling me, he said, I went and saw him and he had lost so much weight. His, his leg looked about like my arm. I went and saw him myself several times in the hospital. His leg looked about the size of my arm. And he, But he told John, he said, I don't know what I've been thinking. I've been taking myself away from my family. I've been taking myself away from God. All in pursuit of some elusive dream that, that I want to retire by the time I'm 50 years old. But he never made it to 50 years old. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. We better understand. You need to come to yourself tonight and say, I realize I'm going down the wrong path. That something's not right here. But you know what's even more powerful? Verse 17, he said, uh, and when he came to himself, verse 20 says, and he said, I will arise. Verse 20 says, and he arose. Because a lot of people say, I'm going to do it. But they don't follow through. A lot of people say they're going to Start saving money, or they're going to start losing weight. Man, I've walked the last two days. My wife had to punch. I had two blisters on my feet today. I tried to go too far yesterday. You know, you can't go too far starting off, folks. But you see, it's not enough to say, I'm going to do it. We got to do it. Don't say, I'm going to start praying. Just start praying. Don't say I'm going to start being faithful. Just be faithful. That's a powerful thing. There's a commitment that has to be given. There has to be a follow through. You know when a baseball pitcher, when he throws the ball, it's not enough just to let go of the ball. He has to follow through. He has to let this leg plant. There's some, Even after he lets go of the ball, there is a follow through that dis- determines where the ball is going to go. A lot of people wind up and they throw it but they don't understand. They don't follow through. They don't make the commitment. They don't make the sacrifice. But this young man, somehow, he came to himself. Oh, thank God that I came to myself that morning in 19 19- I'm serious. I woke up that morning. And I'm not talking about, I didn't shed a tear. I woke up that morning and something inside of me said, I am tired of living like this. I'm not going to live like this anymore. And I I didn't cry when I went to that prayer room that night. I walked up to Brother Huss, I said, I can't take it anymore. Will y'all pray for me? Repentance is more than just tears. Now, I like to see tears, but it's more than just tears. Some people can cry and boo hoo and not change one bit. Repentance is turning around repentance is saying I'm going the other way repentance is saying I'm tired and sick and tired of this and I'm going to do better but he came to himself eating husk what exactly are husk? off the corn oh well I've ate some husk then. If it's, maybe that's what made me husky I don't know But when he came to himself, all of a sudden the father's house didn't seem so bad. Sin lost its appeal. Sin, that that statement we've heard I guess all our life, will take you further than you want to go. It will. It'll take you further than you intend to go. But you know what drove the prodigal son? Hunger. Hunger will do it. You let a nation not have enough food to feed its people. And there's going to be a revolt sooner or later. Because hunger will drive you. You know what drove the American, our our people in our colonies? They wanted religious freedom was one of the things. There was a hunger to worship God. There was a hunger to vote their own leaders in. And so they revolted. And when you look back and study it, they shouldn't have had a chance. But there's something about people that know they're in the right. I'm gonna tell you you see somebody that's really in the right, it takes a lot to stop them when somebody that's why you hire mercenaries that fight for money when the going really gets tough, they're trying to see how to get out of dodge but you let you somebody that's sold out, somebody that's committed, somebody that's counted the cost they're willing to die for what they believe. folks, we got to love this message we got to love the truth. we got to love holiness. we got to love worship. we got to be willing to fight for this thing. And that's why some churches are losing it, because people don't love it. He said, you've got to love the truth. You've got to be willing to fight for this thing. I was talking to this man down at the Amoco that I visit sometimes, and he was telling me that the Crossgate Baptist Church has bought 100 acres of land. 100 acres of land. I mean, that's a lot of land, folks. And he began to tell me they're going to have a campus-style church. And I was telling my wife what I I said, you know, hon, you know, if we just wouldn't preach nothing, And didn't say nothing about nothing. said, you know, we'd probably have 300 by now. But 300 what? We're not after bodies. We're we're not after numbers. He's coming back for a church without spot or blemish or wrinkle or any such thing. That's what he's coming back for. And that's what we're going to stand for. That's why we're going to separate ourselves and hold on to what's been given to us. Got to fight for what we believe. But hunger. But you know I love the response of the father. (laughs) That's That's what they need to find, folks. When these lost children, lost spouses come in, they don't need to be beat over the head. They need to feel love. The father saw him, had compassion, and ran to him. And it wasn't a coincidence the father saw him coming. I don't believe that was the only day the father just happened to look down that road. I don't believe that just happened to be the lucky day something moved on him to do it. Let me tell you this. I believe the Lord will lead and guide you to somebody that's hungry, okay? Okay? but too many people are waiting entirely for the Spirit to move on me and I'll go witness to somebody. Everybody out there nearly is lost. (laughs) I'm telling you, you can give anybody a track. You can invite anybody to church. You don't have to wait for a voice to speak to you and say, will not you go invite that person to church? We need us. And the Father, I believe every day, he was praying and believing. I I want my boy to come home. And he was looking for him. You know what made the Father, though, probably feel some compassion? I don't believe that young man's walk was the same as when he left. Can't you just see a young man getting a bunch of money? Can't you just see him striding off, boy, just feeling on top of the world? But when he's coming back, he's embarrassed. He's ashamed. I lost all my daddy's money that he gave me. He didn't work for that money. The daddy gave it to him. And he just, I just got a feeling he kind of, was shuffling along there. He had his head down. You ever, you ever had to do that a few times? <laughs> Come up to boy and I said, Hun, I got a confession. I always get my head down. I always say, I have a confession to make. I don't like it when I have to make a confession. But you know what? I know she'll forgive me. You need to believe Jesus loves you. You need to believe that. He don't want us doing wrong. But if any man sin, he had his advocate with the Father, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the righteous. He has an advocate. And I believe maybe he saw some old wine stains on those dirty clothes. Probably saw some muck and mire from the pig pen and thought, this is my son that was wearing the latest style clothes when he left. Went out and bought him all new clothes on down had the best donkey money could buy. And here he is walking home smelling like, come out of the pig pen, folks. Now, I ain't even been around the pig pen much. But it don't smell good, does it? One time, like I say my friend Ricky Bennett, he was raising—I guess he was raising it for—is it FFA, Future Farmers of America. You know, they used to raise them pigs. Anybody remember when he, in school? He had a pig—I don't know, pig or hog. I'm talking it's about this tall, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a big old dude. And we got out in there. He wanted me to go look at it, and I don't, for whatever possessed me to even get in there, I don't know. But we got in there, and when we got up to him, for some reason, that pig decided he didn't like us. And you know what? It was amazing how fast that thing was. Cause he wasn't as fast as I was, but I'm saying it was amazing how fast he was. I'm not kidding. Have you ever seen a big pig run? I mean, hey, that dude was moving. He kind of gave us a look, and when he gave that look, I wasn't waiting for nothing else, man. I started off, and if I hadn't got a head start, I'd have been in trouble. But it kind of smelled. I do vaguely remember there wasn't the best smell out there. But that son had been in there feeding the pigs. He didn't smell right. I tell you what, if people come through that door right there, I don't care what they smell like or what they look like. They need to find the love of God in here. I don't care if they just got drunk on the way to church, that they ought to feel that somebody cares about them. Lord, help us never to look down on somebody that doesn't dress exactly like we dress or act the way that we act. They don't know any better, but they're hungry, and they've heard that there's bread in the house of the Lord. And when they come in here, they need to find the people that remembers, such were some of you, but you've been washed. Hallelujah. I said I've been washed. I'm not what I used to be, praise God. But I remember where he brought me from I remember up in Cleveland we had a man who worked at the big Baxter's plant up there and he told me that the lady he worked with and it was at a church of God she went to and she was all mad because the preacher told them they had to put Jesus first in their life I mean I, I wouldn't admit that would you? I mean we all know we're supposed to have them first in our life this lady told me that they're going to have to get rid of that guy He was preaching Jesus had to be first. Folks, Jesus has got to be first. He's just got to be first. But verse 21 again, let me read it. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But you see, the father didn't let him finish. He probably would have gone on and on. He probably would have gave every little detail. I've had people come to me a few times and say, well, I've done wrong. And and, and let let me tell you what. You know, unless you just feel some kind of compelling force, you don't have to tell me just the fact that you're sorry is good enough for me just the fact that hey you want to turn your life around but the father said uh, before he ever finished it uh, he said I've heard enough he said son that's all I want to know he said bring forth the best robe Uh, I I say let me just say this uh, we talk about the world the Lord looks on your heart and we know that he does but he didn't let that boy in the house look in the same way that he came up Uh, he put a fresh robe on him when you come into the kingdom of God you Yes, he'll take you just like you are, but he expects you to clean up. He expects you to take on a robe of righteousness. He didn't let him in the house with all that filth on him. There were some changes made before he got into the house. He put that robe on him. Paul said, Behold, all things are become as new, old things are passed away. I say, Old things are passed away. He put a ring on his hand. That really wasn't a finger ring, it was a signet thing that he could. You know what you could do with that? See, he'd been gone a while, and there might be some new servants. And he might stumble into the breakfast table and say, uh, I need a bowl of sears. An old guy say, who are you? And he'd say, hey, he had this little signet thing. He could say, hey, I'm the, I'm the, the boss's boy. Folks, we got the, the boss's name, <laughs> the name of Jesus. And the devil don't like it, but the devil can't do anything about it. When I get in trouble, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. And he put shoes on his feet. I say, only servants back in that day appeared in public barefooted. And so this boy come home barefooted without anything. And then I said, let's put some shoes on his feet. He's not a slave anymore. I'm not lost anymore. I say, I'm in the kingdom of God. If you prayed through Sunday or you prayed through 50 years ago, you're the same in the kingdom of God. There's no big eyes and little U's. There's no difference in the kingdom of God and the pastor and a saint we're all in the kingdom of God as far as the love of God we may have a different job but we're the same he came a servant of sin but he's leaving with liberty and what the father say? he said kill the fatted calf and let's have a feast I say it ain't all no's in the church every once in a while the Lord said let's just celebrate because verse 25 we didn't read it a while ago. It says this. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. You won't see some dancing? You let some lost children get saved around here. You let some lost spouses get saved around here. There'll be some dancing. There'll be some rejoicing. There's just something about it. When somebody that you've prayed for and you've loved and you've cared about, you see them get the Holy Ghost, Man, you're talking about a thrill. Uh, I like being around somebody right by somebody when they get the Holy Ghost. You almost get it again. You feel that witness. You bear witness lots of times. You feel, man, you feel that that thrust there. If There's something inside of you that's bearing witness with that. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is an uplifting thing. The Holy Ghost is not a binding thing. The Holy Ghost is not a now you can't do anything kind of spirit. The Holy Ghost is now he that the Son has set free, that I'm free indeed, that I can live the way I was created to live. It wasn't God's intent for us to be bound. Adam was in charge of the garden. He was told to name the animals and address the garden. He he was the boss. And yet when he sinned, he became a servant to sin. You know, I don't understand people really. Well, I I do, but they look at us and they'll say, I can't live the way y'all live. They don't understand when you get on this side, it's not hard. See, that's, that's what keeps me from getting right with God. They're thinking, man, I, I just, I couldn't I couldn't live like that. I couldn't act like that. Or I, I couldn't dress like that. I, I couldn't, but they don't understand. If you ever get over here and you get that Holy Ghost, those are minor things. People that have trouble with holiness somehow ain't got to hold the real thing. We're on our way to heaven, folks. This life is but a vapor. What I do the next 20, 30, 40 years, however long the Lord six months that lets me live is nothing compared to I've got eternity that I'm going to be saved however you want me to dress so be it however you want me to act so be it I'm on my way to heaven tonight I've got a reason to be happy I've got a reason to sing I've got a reason to rejoice praise the Lord oh help us to learn some lessons I, I wished I-, I wished I could I try to talk sometimes, and some of these young people, and, and I can just see they're somehow, or another we're just not on the wavelength. You ever try to get the radio station, and you, you just catch a word every once in a while? Isn't it aggravating? And now, today in Jackson, there was mm, he killed. What? What? You didn't hear? You know how many? You didn't know how many was killed? Who was killed? What? And all you get bits and pieces. And you see, the truth is we all do this to a certain degree in church services, do we not? Have you ever been listening and all of a sudden you realize you've been the last three minutes worrying about your garden? I'm saying, have you not? You know, or all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking, man... What have I got to do tomorrow? I'm going over my checklist. And you're you're cutting in and out. And there's something about that straight power. That's why a cordless mic, Now they do a whole lot better. But when they first came out, or the cell phone, you know, those cell phones, if you're getting a good signal, it's okay. And then aggravating to be talking to somebody. And, and you know, you're talking, all of a sudden you realize they're, they're not even there anymore. And you're aggravating because you got to tell the whole story again. Did you ever... <laughs> Do you ever try to tell your wife something and you you you're building up to the big punchline and you and you've taken longer than you thought and you say, Well, what do you think, hun? And you're thinking, Man, I'm gonna have to go over this in the morning That's has happened a few times. My wife works hard and she can she can go to and she can go to sleep fast, man. Uh it used to be the other way around. I'd be over trying to go to sleep. She'd just be talking to me. It's been a while since I told her that. That one time she's just a-talking. I was so tired. I reached over and was doing like that. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find the off button. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I'm just saying that God wants us to tune in. The Bible says, he that hath an ear to hear Let him hear what the Spirit would say. Folks, it's going to be worth it all to be saved. I don't care what happens in your life. If there's one thing, and I know I said a lot because I want to emphasize it, you are responsible for your own self. You are responsible for your own self. Now, I know we're all influenced by things, but you can look at some homes, and I read a story years ago. This man was an alcoholic. And he had two boys. One of them became an alcoholic, and one of them became a doctor. And they found the doctor, or they found the alcoholic. And said, "Look, uh, how come you turned out like this?" He said, "Well, with my father, what do you expect me to become?" And they went to the law to the son that was a doctor. Said, "How did you end up like this?" He said, "With a father like mine, what would you expect me to become?" One of them said, "I'm not going to be like that." Another one said, "That's the easy way. I believe I'll do it too." You have the power of choice today. I want our young people, I'm going to preach it as long as I live. You can live for God if you want to live for God. You just got to make up your mind that I am going to be faithful, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to worship, and I don't care what all kind of problems come my way, I'm going to be saved. Praise the Lord. Why don't we come to the music? Oh, that's right. This Sunday is Father's Day. Oh, we ought to have a good crowd, y'all. We've been bumping right at, oh, what do we end up with Sunday, Brother Coleman? We had two or three more come in. We ended up with 200, didn't we not? Oh, okay. But uh, this is Father's Day. But you know, aren't you glad we got a father that really watches over us? Have we really thanked him like we ought to? Have we really appreciated him? Do you know, just the fact that you was able to be here tonight. There are some people, that would have liked to have been here tonight but they're not physically able. They, they, they're they they're not physically or they're not mentally or they or they've got something happening that they don't do that. And because it just we take it for granted so much. Oh, I'm so glad to brother Verdale that was here Sunday from Shreveport. Sister Webb really wasn't feeling quite well, but boy, she got a little soul in her and her singing. But he told me many of them used to play tennis together. Brother Penn, that was my tennis. Oh, you weren't here. He was here Sunday. And uh, he told me the guy that he's been playing with the last few years fell over dead last week or week before last. 49 years old. Jogged five miles four or five times a week. Just fell over dead. You see, we don't know what's going to happen. We're blessed to be here tonight. We're blessed to gather one more time in the house of the Lord. Why don't we stand right now? Praise the Lord. Let's sing a little chorus here. This...